And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 100. Uh, can you believe that? A new milestone, triple digits, episodes of the Anarchist Experience. Uh, as always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with... MC. And even though we're doing this at a non-regularly scheduled time, uh, if we're live, we're live and we can take calls. So if you're listening to us, those call-in numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Happy Valentine's Day, uh, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, If not, so what? Be single, be lonely, I don't care. Uh, But what is going on with you this week, MC? Oh, not a whole lot. Um, I'm kind of trying to avoid as much politics as I can. Um, well, what fun is that? But I, yeah, I know it's like uh, I, I basically can't look at Facebook anymore. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm trying to stay stay low, low key this week. That's cool. Um, I will say this: like I, I, I have I've taken a mini hiatus from Facebook for the most part. Like I don't know. Um, if you've noticed personally, but like my postings have, um, declined over the last few months as I, you know, not, not, not necessarily because I'm like trying to avoid it. I just, you know, got busy doing other things and, you know, taking up time doing other things. And I've been off and, you know, the last couple of days I'm like, well, let me see what's going on. So I, I jump back on Facebook and I see what's going on. Um, and of course, you know, politics is the one thing that I care about you know, when it comes to Facebook, like people always goes like, well, what do you use Facebook for? And I go, well, news, right? Like, I don't, I don't give a damn what my friends are eating for lunch. I just, you know, I, there's pages that I follow when I read the articles and I look at it. And, and um, one thing that I can say is, uh, luckily for me, I guess, uh, not much has changed. Uh, I still get the same, you know, bad cops doing this and politicians doing that articles uh, coming up. The, the only difference is, right, is like, who's saying it? Right. You know, for for the past, you know, eight years, my Facebook feed was like inundated with, oh, my God, I can't believe President Obama did this. And it was coming from, you know, the, the conservative people uh, that I, I, you know, am quote unquote friends with on Facebook. Um, and now and what I'm expecting, you know, for like, you know, the next four years, at least is, oh, my God, I can't believe President Trump is doing this. Uh, but it's coming from, you know, the, the liberal side uh, of people on my Facebook feed. Um, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, you know, uh, if you're only saying it because it's Trump, like, you know, shut up, you know, like my, my libertarian anarchist friends, you know, who for the past eight years went, Oh my God, I can't believe Obama did this. And now are the ones going like, Oh my God, I can't believe Trump's doing this. I was like, all right, good. Right. At least, at least some of them are being consistent and we have, uh, we have an article that we can kind of get into that, you know, possibly if we need, you know, if we get around to it. Um, but what did I, I saw like um, a Huffington Post article this morning. I didn't post it as show prep because I didn't really get into it. Uh, but again, coming from, you know, the, the liberal side of my friend's feed. And it was, you know, uh, the White House is already on fire. Right. Like, you know, the flames are burning and Trump's like going down in a ball of fire and flames and hellfire and all this other stuff. I don't know what happened. I seem to have cut myself off. I can't hear you now. Oh, OK. Well, we'll, we'll pause for a minute then and, and try to figure this out. And we're back. 
uh, from a brief break uh, to fix some technical difficulties. So if you were listening live, hopefully you can still hear us. Uh, if you listen on the podcast, uh, you, there was probably no break because we were smart enough to edit that out. Maybe. Who knows? You never know with me. Um, but uh, if you missed what I was saying, MC, I was just saying that you know my, my Facebook feed has just changed from uh, liberals attacking the pre- uh, from uh, conservatives attacking the president to liberals attacking the president, uh, and I'm sending out a, a cheers and a thumbs up and a tip of the hat and you know a toast uh, to all the uh, anarchist and libertarian ish people out there uh, who've consistently attacked the president and politics in general uh, over the past eight years and now moving forward for the next four years. So. Um, and I was saying that we had an article that kind of got into that a little bit, uh, if we got around to it. Um, not sure if you had anything more to say before we started in with the headlines. Um, I did see something on Facebook that was funny. Um, it, it was uh, this guy. He was complaining about the complainers, uh, the people that, that say, you know, either one of the presidents or, you know, one of the parties or... You know, somebody else is going to save them. And so the thing people were worried about is like, oh, well, uh, you know, these these automatic vehicles, the, the trucks that don't have truck drivers are going to put truck drivers out of business. And what are they going to do? And what is Trump going to do? How is Trump going to save the truck drivers? And he was basically saying, screw that. Nobody's going to save you. The only person that's going to save you is yourself. And uh, so you need to prepare for that because you, you can see it coming and, you, ne- you know, you need to do something about it. Get a new job. That's what he said. So, And he used a whole bunch of swear words. So it was nice. interesting at least. Um, so, yeah, I, I basically agree with that. Um, and it's, it's especially the, the point about the, the, the president. It doesn't matter who's president. Uh, the president isn't going to stop progress from happening. Uh, hopefully not. I mean, <laughs> it would take a it would take a a lot for that to happen. So, um, so so yeah, that's 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 just what I wanted to say. Just the well, future's going to come no, no matter what. You gotta you gotta prepare. Let, let me share this then, because this came up. On, I, I posted this story um, on my personal feed as I was doing show prep for the shows, because I didn't really want to do it as, as show prep. Um, however, now that you mention it, it is kind of funny. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you, and then we'll kind of get into it. And I will say, when I posted it, um, my comment uh, on, on the article was, uh, only in Trump's America. Um, headline, uh, not show prep, but headline anyway. Uh, Germans outraged after U.S. Tennis Association plays Nazi anthem. <laughs> let, let that sink in for a minute. And then to top it all off, MC, uh, this will be funny for you and me. It happened right here uh, in the great state of Hawaii on, on the island of Maui uh, during one of their uh, uh, tennis competitions. Um, and then th- there's a video in the article to go along with it. Uh, I just thought it was hilarious just reading the headline, number one. Like, how does that happen? Uh, you know, and, and you know, but what are they going to do about it kind of a thing. Um, but Germans responded with outrage after the United States Tennis Association made the embarrassing gaffe of playing the Nazi-era version of Germany's national anthem during a Federation Cup tie in Hawaii, Reuters reported. <laughs> the version played included the first stanza beginning Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber Alice, which was used as Nazi propaganda. Uh, Germans Andreas Petrovic described it as, as the worst thing that ever happened to me. 
Um, I'm not going to read the whole article. I'm just, I mean, that, that kind of like sums it up right there. But if you get into the article even further, uh, I was like, you know, talking over with my mom and, you know, as I was reading it and watching the video. And, you know, she said, what well, must have like fired up the German players to play even harder? I'm like, nope, they threatened to walk off the court and then lost when they didn't. So <laughs> <laughs> what a what a ploy uh, only in Trump's America. And, you know, it wasn't like they played the wrong song. Right. Like, you know, I, I mean, the, the kind of the article kind of hints at that, like, you know, they you know, they 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 hit the wrong. They got the wrong MP3 or the wrong file downloaded and they just whoop, hit the wrong. No. This was like a dude singing the German national anthem, and he sang the Nazi version of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If he doesn't know German, maybe that's possible, but... I just think it's funny. <laughs> I, I just wanted to show... Because, again, you know, the, the way I posted it was like, only in Trump's America, we get all these comparisons to, you know, Trump is literally Hitler, um, yeah. you know, which, as, you know, Ace... Maybe who knows? I don't. I don't think he's Hitler, uh, per se. Um, like I don't. I. I. I doubt that Trump is going to go on a mass extermination spree uh, within the United States, right? Like you know, uh, continuing to bomb Syria and all those other places. Sh- sure, um, but I don't think he's going to like round them up. Like his goal was not to like round them up and exterminate them within the within the borders. Uh, his goal was to like you know keep everyone out. Um, and then you know, hand out uh, hand out favors to his, his capitalist friends. Um, so uh, you know, probably not Hitler, but still, you know, not does not that does not necessarily make him a good guy. Uh, but with all those comparisons, like Trump is literally Hitler, and then and then the U.S. Tennis Association goes and does this. Uh, I just I, I, I couldn't help uh, but laugh at the 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 tie-in and the coincidence there. All right, shall we get into the real headlines? Let's do it. All right, headline uh, from the actual show prep. Uh, this Indiana town wants to find a community out of existence on behalf of private developers? Headline, public school system exposed for reporting parents to CPS for homeschooling? Headline, uh, law, lawmakers and regulators act like they hate farmers markets. Headline: FDA helps drug company increase price of life-saving medicine seven thousand uh, percent. Headline: Mexicans vow to tr- fight Trump by jamming U.S. courts. Uh, headline: Exposing fake libertarianism. And finally, headline: uh, Sanctuary cities are nullifying at a local level. Uh, any place you want to start this week, MC? Oh, the first one, Indiana Town. All right. This was the last thing I found in show prep, and this, you know, out of all the articles that I posted, this one uh, may piss me off the most. Um, I'll let you comment, and then I'll get into to my little bit of mini rage here. Uh, th- this Indiana Town wants to find a community out of existence on behalf of private developers. Uh, Members of a small, low-income community in Indiana are discovering that state-level protections that make it hard for cities to seize their property may not be enough. When city leaders decide to get into bed with private developers, there are all sorts of ways for cronyism to threaten the property rights of owners. When we imagine how a city or town seizes private property from citizens in order to hand it over to developers for special projects, we often think about eminent domain. 
Governments can force citizens to sell them their property, often for much less than it's worth on the market. While eminent domain was supposed to be used solely for public work projects, roads, schools, etc., uh, the infamous Kilo versus City of New London Supreme Court decision set a legal precedent allowing governments to use it to, use it to hand over property to fi- private developers for big projects. Uh, some states that objected to this decision passed new laws to restrict how eminent domain may be used within their borders. Indiana was one of them. So property rights-minded citizens might be surprised to hear that the mayor and city officials of Charleston, Indiana, a rural community with a population of less than 8,000, are trying to arrange to hand over hundreds of homes to a private developer. Uh, He's not using eminent domain to do so. Instead, the city stands accused of deliberately finding excuses to burden the community's residents with thousands of dollars in fines that will be waived if they sell their properties to the private developer. Uh, The property rights defending lawyers of the Institute for Justice, uh, you may recall their efforts to stop abuse of civil asset forfeiture, are stepping in to represent several property owners in this community and are seeking an injunction to stop the city from trying to use code violation citations to essentially force property transfers. Within Charleston's, uh, within Charleston is a low-income neighborhood named uh, Pleasant Ridge, full of working-class folks and retirees. According to the Institute for Justice, Mayor Bob Hall decided in 2014 that he wanted to get rid of the houses there and replace it with a more upscale planned community with fancier homes and retail options. But he needed to get rid of the houses and the people within them first. Starting in 2016, residents and property owners of Pleasant Ridge discovered Charleston had a nasty tool to try to get rid of them. City officials started looking for any excuse to cite property owners for code violations. When you're looking at low-income neighborhoods full of working people and retirees, there are likely to be plenty. Uh, The Institute for Justice described how it played out. Uh, Beginning in the summer of 2016, the city unleashed a torrent of code enforcement targeted, specifically at the Pleasant Ridge neighborhood. City officials began performing exterior inspections of properties in Pleasant Ridge and mailing citations to the owner. So far, this campaign has primarily targeted landlords who own multiple rental properties rather than small landlords and owner-occupied houses. The citations state that the owner accrues penalties of $50 per violation per day. Uh, Multiple citations are issued per property, which means that a single property will begin accumulating hundreds of dollars of fines each day. The fines can be for things as minor as a torn screen, weeds taller than 8 inches, or chipped paint. In many cases, the fines begin the day the citation was issued, not the day the owner received it. So owners can easily be on the hook for thousands of dollars in fines before they even receive notice. And these fines continue to accrue until the owner is able to repair the property. The city knows that many of these residents cannot afford to pay these exorbitant fines, leaving them only two options. Sell their home to Nice Ventures or raise it to the ground to have the fines waived. The scheme would be bad enough if Nice were offering fair market value for the homes, but it is not. The, inspection, the inspections regime has been a windfall for Nice. Not only has it compelled more than 140 homeowners to sell, it has also forced them to sell at a considerable loss. Most of the homes have tax assessed value of between $25,000 and $35,000, and they would be worth much more if the city had not caused the market to collapse by announcing in 2014 that it was going to destroy every home. Uh, one grotesque little detail from the Institute for Justice is that the city probably would have had to pay the citizens more for the property if it did use eminent domain, but this nasty little system lets the private developer get the property on the cheap. Uh, one of the plaintiffs, the Institute for Justice, is representing a neighborhood association that owned a duplex in the neighborhood, 
had racked up almost $9,000 in fines due to a citation for a bunch of minor violations. The fines bankrupted the association and resulted in them selling the property. Uh, correction, the fines had not bankrupted the association yet, but, but they will if they are not thrown out by the courts. Uh, the city attorney for Charleston told the Courier-Journal that the city is acting completely within the law with their fines. But the Institute for Justice claims that Charleston is violating state law for the exorbitant amount of fines and for violating its own code by immediately finding property owners rather than waiting for after providing a written order from repairs and determining if uh, that they've refused to cooperate. That's because the city doesn't actually want them to cooperate. They want the residents to sell their homes and get out. The mayor said as much in a Facebook post last fall trying to discourage property owners from repairing their homes. Uh basically the end of the article there's a video but we're not going to do that um your thoughts this week mc uh on on this particular city uh using using cronyism again you know one of trump's favorite tools uh, if you want to get into that uh to to oust people from their homes yeah it's it sucks when you don't actually own your property right <laughs> that's that could be part of it i mean like like depends what you mean by that um if you're if you're saying to, well, uh, because you don't own your property because you have to pay the property tax or whatever because you you've agreed to well, the, that's the, the association yeah that's the start of it is the is the tax and then if if you have to pay the tax then you have to pay any fine that they say you have to pay and if if you don't pay the fine that they say you have to pay then then they, they can take your property so it's uh yeah they they basically own it um uh, that's that. That kind of sucks. Uh, there needs to be, this, you know, more cities. I think there's some places in, in Texas, maybe that that you have a lot more uh, property rights than than in other places. Um, so maybe uh, maybe places like Texas, the value of the property will go up after people find out they can do more with it. I don't know. Well, that, and that was part of the article, too, was the, the property value dropped as soon as they said, we're going to destroy all these homes. Like, who would buy in that case? You know, who would buy a home in that case, you know, for, for what they would consider to be fair market value, knowing that it was going to be, like, seized and destroyed, um, you know, within within years of, of buying the property? Unless you're the private developer, right, who, who's who's taking advantage of their, you know, of their government contacts, um, to get property for less than fair market value and basically stealing it out from under them uh, in order to in order to to build their own you know upscale houses and retail yeah i don't know if it was me i might burn down the mayor's house <laughs> burn down the mayor okay yes see and that would be appropriate right because part of the article said that you know the, the, one of the options that they have you know is pay the fines or or you know or raise the house right and, you know, if, if they're going to like, I, I can see the point in some, in, in some ways, like, well, a little bit of money is better than no money. Right. But at some point you go like, no, 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 we will, you know, as a community, we'll raise the entire neighborhood and still not sell it. Right. Just leave it there as a ghost town and with no houses on it. Um, you know, I would think that the assessed value for property taxes would be uh, minor or low. Unless the city finds a way to, like, you know, tax the dirt uh, for the for the lack of, you know, property that you own there. Right. No, no, no. You must put a house up on this property. Otherwise, we're going to eminent domain it. 
but I can just imagine like an entire, you know, like an 8,000 uh, home entire neighborhood just flattened um, just as a uh, an FU uh, to the state for or the city in this case or whatever uh, for trying to take what's theirs. If, if we can't have it, no one can. I mean, they, they want to tear down the houses anyway, so I don't think they care. Well, no, the, the city would care because they want to tear it down to build something else. And I'm saying if you're the, if you're the current property owner, you tear it down uh, to avoid the fines from the city, but then you don't sell them the land, so they can't build anything on it anyway. It's just an empty plot that they can no longer tax. They could still find you. For what? There, there, there'd be no code violation. What would the, the, the code violation they said were for minor offenses like, you know, tall grass and chip paint. If you raise the property, there's, there's nothing like that. It's just an empty plot of dirt that the city can't use. It, I'd be curious to see what they would do to like, you know, to find like, you know, fine you for not having property there. Right. Something like that. Or fine you for not having grass in the yard. Okay, I guess. I don't know. I'd rather burn down the the mayor's house. And I I agree with you that I think that's a more appropriate <laughs> response. <laughs> right? I mean, I I've always told people, you know, like I'm I'm not suicidal, I'm homicidal. Um I like me, I don't necessarily like you. Um so when it when it comes to stuff like that, yeah, I I think the appropriate response if you're being attacked by the city or the state or the feds or whatever, um is to you know defend your property first, uh, and then go on the attack second, right? Like if, if they're going to take it, no matter so, what, you might as well take down the mayor's house and city hall and every other government building you can. So that's that's what happened in the in the whiskey rebellion. The reason George Washington sent the the army to uh, fight the the rebels that were not paying their their whiskey tax was because the rebels went on the offense and and uh, burned down the tax collector's house. So it wasn't so much that they weren't paying their taxes, but that they were attacking the tax collector. So I just thought that was an interesting way to look at things. Well, that's also why I'm calling it a step two, right? Yeah. Like step step one would be to defend your own property. So if, if they came to raise your house, you know, fire shots at the guy driving the bulldozer, right? And if, if they send more fire shots at them too, and if they don't stop coming, right, then, you know, that's when I would say, you know, take the fight to them. And, you know, like, like I said, um, un- unlike the red and black anarchists, and I, I was reading an article on the black box, and I, I didn't, again, didn't post it to show prep because it, sometimes it just irritates me. Um, when, when, they have, when they have what I would consider to be like valid tactics – um, uh, employed against like the wrong target. So I'm not, you know, uh, if, if you're going to attack, uh, the mayor's house, um, and city hall, and in this case, because it's cronyism, um, you know, go ahead and take down the, the, the niece property management building or whatever, right? Like, you know, they're, they're also in bed. Um, but when you attack like small mom and pop shops, um, in the neighborhood just because you, you have it out with the state. Like, that's that to me is like the wrong target. Um, right. 
I'm I'm the 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 black block article that I was reading was uh, I think it was like the San Francisco the Berkeley riots or whatever. We're talking about like, oh like they smashed out like you know Starbucks window, um, and I'm 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 less sympathetic towards that because I don't look at Starbucks and go like oh those crony capitalists right like I, I don't I don't I don't read articles I don't see Starbucks. You know, like, you know, looking to get legislation passed uh, to keep the neighborhood coffee shop out of business. Right. Like to me, Starbucks, despite my lack of appeal towards them as a company, like I I don't I'll drink a Starbucks, but I've never actually paid for a Starbucks. Um, I, I see them as a more valid form of company that would likely exist uh, in the absence of the state. Right. Does that make sense? Am I making sense, MC? Do you understand what I'm saying? Sure. They're 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 at least decent, somewhat decent capitalists. Right. Like they're not using eminent domain and any of that, and you know, and pushing people out of business. You know, they they as they buy the their property as legitimately as I can see. Right. Like you know, uh, uh, from a business standpoint, they they jump through government hoops. Um, but I I I rarely fault current businesses for doing that. Right, it's like, oh no, you're unprincipled because you're, you know, you're getting the permit from the state to build. I was like, well, yeah, you you kind of are, but again, their their goal is to not be, you know, like principled anarchists, right? Their their goal is to, to make money, and that's their methodology for doing it. Um, but they're not using eminent domain. They're not using, you know, uh, government contacts to to force people out. They're not they're not advocating that coffee prices be raised in certain areas to force out mom and pop shops. Um, they just, for the most part, and from what I can tell, and you know, call in and correct me if I'm wrong, um, and, and show me the articles and documentation. Otherwise, if I'm wrong, um, but from what I've seen from Starbucks from its inception, is they basically just outcompeted everybody uh, in, in the coffee shop market by offering uh, a, at the time was a novel product um, at a premium rate, and people and and consumers got on board. Am I am I off the market all MC or is you know help me out? I think here. we're getting sidetracked. Let's go back to. Well, I'm saying it because mm-hmm. unlike uh, I'm comparing I'm I'm comparing the Starbucks to this Nice Corporation, uh, who's using you know Starbucks is competing legitimately. This Nice Corporation is is yeah, sure. is competing unfairly uh, to to obtain the property. Um, so I, I mean, it may sound like I'm being sidetracked, but I'm trying to, I'm, I'm doing my best to make a comparison where if you're going to go on the attack, right, if you're going to go black blocks, black block style attacks, um, against the state and against what you perceive as like bad corporations, um, uh, there are certainly bad corporations that should be attacked. And then there are, are good corporations that I feel should not be attacked. Uh, and in my opinion, and again, you know, I, I could be wrong about uh, my understanding, is that Starbucks is a legitimate company and would be legitimate outside the realm of the state. Um, and breaking their windows just because, you, you know, you're mad at the state is wrong. Uh, but if you were to go attack the Nice building uh, for trying to, you know, steal property from uh, legitimate property owners and using the state's uh, fines and tactics to do so, that would be a legitimate black block opportunity. So I guess I'm calling out those, you know, those violent protesters uh, to to 
do some violence and you know use those tactics against this type of corporation or this one specifically uh, as opposed to just breaking and smashing any window of any corporation you see in front of you right i agree all right what's next Public school system exposed for reporting parents to CPS for homeschooling. All right, this is another one that like kind of gripes me a little bit because I'm a big fan of homeschooling and unschooling and all that, you know, self-directed learning. Uh, and then they go and do this shit. Uh, New York City, homeschooling your child in New York City could earn a visit from Child Protective Services for neglect. Even if you followed all procedures required by the public school system to withdraw from its programs. And right there, I'm, I'm going to stop for a minute, MC, because I just want to I, I comment on this first paragraph right here, uh, which, which ties into what we talked about at our roundtable discussion last week, um, where, you know, where the, the IRS was coming down on people um, who filed legitimately and had no expectation of being harassed, right? And this, you know, you, 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 the, the parents jumped through all the hoops, right, required by the state, uh, to withdraw your pro your child from uh, from uh, public schooling, and then still this right they they still go on the attack uh, simply because you want to homeschool, and it's nonsense, and it just goes out to all the people that go like you know I'm just going to keep my head down and and do what I'm told and the, I I don't I don't make waves I don't rock the boat I just go along get along, uh, and they still are are susceptible to attack. Uh, reading back into the article. Uh, Tanya Acevedo, as the Federalist reported, experienced firsthand the punitive bureaucracy in place, essentially deeming all homeschooling parents child abusers. Uh, Acevedo withdrew her child from school this winter, filing all necessary paperwork required by the government. But that wasn't enough to stave off visit, uh, a visit from CPS, who showed up as a residence unannounced to investigate allegations of educational neglect. After Tanya let them in, the Federalist explained a CPS investigator insisted that they interview her child in private and inspected their apartment, including a look inside Tanya's refrigerator, a standard practice for a home under investigation for neglect. The officer left Tanya with stern instructions to produce documents and let her, uh, her child the next day. To uh, excuse me, the officer left Tanya with stern instructions to produce documents and her child the next day at the CPS office. Uh, Acevedo wasted no time in contacting the Homeschool Legal Defense Association for assistance with her case and parsing out the New York Public Schools District's mountain of red tape to see where she might have erred. Uh, in an interview, Acevedo told the HSLDA that she had indeed filed all the necessary paperwork, even sending two required forms by certified mail, among other meticulous measures. She had followed all the applicable laws to withdraw her son from public school and being homeschooled, the Federalist continued, but the school district had not recorded the paperwork she'd filed, so her son began occurring absences that eventually triggered the CPS investigation. Administrative errors, similar to Acevedo's, turned out to be strikingly common. Uh, HSLDA Vice President of Litigation Jim Mason dove into records after being astonished by Acevedo's case, and as he puts it, what I found appalled me. Family after family have found themselves in legal limbo because the central office simply cannot or will not follow the timelines in the regulation. More than one homeschooling family told me they had been turned over to CPS because the office's delayed handling of the homeschooling paperwork. 
The injustice against homeschooling families in New York City can no longer be tolerated. Uh, on December 5th, HSLDA filed a civil rights lawsuit against the New York City Public School over the systematic mistreatment of homeschooling families. We're asking for money damages and for court order for the New York City bureaucracy to simply follow New York's homeschooling regulations. Uh, Mason found homeschooling families aren't dealing with their, uh, with their own districts as regulations dictate because New York City consolidated all five boroughs' homeschool information into one office, an underfunded, understaffed office where lost paperwork is a routine occurrence. Worse, the central office controls the attendance database relating to homeschooling for the entire city. While Acevedo had informed both the central office and the school before withdrawing her child, administrative and bureaucratic obstacles veritably guaranteed the boys would remain technically enrolled and accruing absences with each passing day. A certain number of absences, whether legitimate or not, triggers a report to CPS alerting to possible educational neglect. The fact so many homeschooling families find themselves in Acevedo's situation, uh, a bloated and self-important government deemed itself fitter to educate your kids than you, evinces, evinces the New York City system could set up to derail as many people as possible. Of course, by creating an onerous process to withdraw children from the government-approved educational system adheres to a long-held belief children taught in the home mature into antisocial, insecure, average achievers, stereotypes proven untrue, if not opposite in recent years. Uh, whatever your opinion on homeschooling versus public education, the freedom to choose the method your child is taught should be left to the government already so clearly biased on intent, should not be left to, the, to a government already so clearly biased and intent on taking you out of the equation. Uh, your thoughts, MC? It's amazing. Uh, no, not really. Um, yeah, it's just so, so weird. Um, people trying to escape the system and following all the rules and still not still not able to so um i don't know here's what do you a, think we should do about it here's a quick quote by lou rockwell uh, isn't it a coincidence that governments everywhere want to educate children government education in turn is supposed to be evidence of the state's goodness and its concern for our well-being the real explanation is less flattering if the government's propaganda can take root as children grow up, those kids will be no threat to the state apparatus. They'll fasten the chains to their own ankles. So, yeah, um, what should be done about it? Uh, more people should just take their kids out of school. Um, with, you know, f proper paperwork or not, and then defend their, their, defend their home and their family, right? Like I'm, uh, I I don't know why. Uh, I think I've been accused once of being a pacifist, and I went, no, not really, not at all. Um, they just they haven't pushed me personally to the point of of you know physical defense yet. Um, but in cases like this, right, and if this were to happen to me, um, you can better believe that I have no intention on on putting any of my kids, uh, future kids. I guess, uh, in, in the state school system. And I have no intention on filing paperwork to keep them out. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's none of their business and it's none of their concern. Um, and I will do my best, uh, to, to raise my family accordingly. Um, one thing I remember, you know, like if, if you're gonna, I, I remember, uh, on the Ernest Hancock show, he was talking about like how he, how he took his kids out of public school. Um, and I guess the requirements in, in, in Arizona are like less stringent, uh, because the example he gave is he, like he walked into the principal's office, um, 
and just wrote it on a post-it note, right? Like in Arizona, uh, apparently the, the requirement to, to uh, take your kids out of public school and to homeschool them is to provide the school with like written notice, right? That's the only requirement. Like, yeah, you must provide written notice. Uh, so he wrote it on a, he walked in the office, wrote it on a post-it note, handed it to the principal and walked out. And that was the end of that, right? So I can, I can see taking steps like that uh, if they're that easy, right? If, if you know, uh, it, was it a Heinlein quote or whatever? Um, you know, if, if the rules are tolerable, I will tolerate them. If they are not, I will not. Um, you know, if, if it's as easy as writing it on a post-it note, then I'm going to take my kids out of school and then that would be the end of it. Um, to, to avoid state persecution, I may be more inclined to comply. Um, but if it's if it's a bunch of bureaucratic mess and, you know, filling out paperwork and faxing it certified mail to the appropriate whomever and making sure you got the return receipt requested and they here pay the fee for the filing and the application fee and all this other nonsense, um, you, you can better believe that I, I'd spend my money on weapons um, rather than, than, than pay the fees. Um, and just like I said, you know, when, when, when the, the tax assessor, uh, approaches your house to collect some taxes, uh, you know, put them in the ground. Um, I would say when CPS approaches your house to interview your children, um, put them in the ground. Right. Um, and, and, and even though I'm suggesting that I'm fully aware, uh, that that tactic doesn't work by one person alone. Right. If, if one person uh, puts a CPS agent or a tax collector in the ground, uh, the, re- the retaliation against that individual will be swift. Um, the problem is uh, it's hard to rally people around that cause, even though it's a cause worth rallying around. Because um, what you would need is a handful of people, right? No, dozens of people, hundreds of people uh, across the county, across the state, across the country, uh, all doing the same thing uh, to the same group of people, right? Uh, because no, no matter the situation, this is why I said, you know, every, the only legitimate protest is a tax protest. Uh, if everyone did this for their little, like, pet issue, right? Any, any for, for whatever your reason for being harassed by the state, you just, you know, just hauled off on a, a state agent, Um there'd be less of them coming around because the, the people outnumber the state, um, by a lot. I, I don't remember. And if you, if you need to see this like illustrated, um, check out, uh, Larkin Rose's video, um, the dot or uh, the something about the dot. I forget. I think it had like an adjective to it, but the, the dot, uh, Larkin Rose and the dot on YouTube. Yeah. It should come up. Um, the tiny dot. There you go. That's it. The tiny dot. Um, but check out that video to, for an illustration on how, just how just how much our numbers could be uh, if we all came together, right? Like you know, they they already said you know this particular bureaucracy is understaffed and underfunded and undervalued and all, all this under under under, right? And imagine if like they sent out one guy you know to a house and they they buried that guy, just buried him right there. Right. And then at the same time, they sent out another one to another house because, you know, you can got to investigate more than one a day if you're going to, you know, keep your jobs intact. And they buried him right there. Like, how quickly would they be to refill those positions, number one? Um, and then how likely it is that people would want to take those positions if they knew that every investigation uh, was, you know, a, a, a potential, no, no, you're not coming home tonight type of situation. 
Like if you want to be the guy that harasses families uh, for homeschooling or you want to be like the tax assessor uh, that uh, harasses people for, for not paying their tribute to the state, uh, you don't deserve to go home to your family, right? You deserve to be put in your place uh, and that's out back in the ditch, uh, you know, with some dirt piled on top of you. And I think that if, if enough of that occurred, right, it would be it would be um, a, a clear shot across the bow uh, that, you know, I, I cliche, but we the people uh, are, have had enough of this um, and and we're not going to take it anymore. So, you know, what would I like to see done? I'd like to see them just lift the regulations and leave people alone. Right. If you if you don't want to put your kid in school, you shouldn't have to fill out government paperwork to keep them out. It's not, you know, the the child is not the possession of the state. Uh, you know, the, your house is not the possession of the state. If you bought it, you paid for it, or you created it through natural means, right, or artificial these days doesn't matter to me. Um, didn't buy it from the state, then they they have no right, uh, moral or otherwise, uh, to control that to control your child, to control your home, and tell you what you can and cannot do with either. Um, so, yeah. So, as, as long as they're not in control of it and you retain control of it, um, they, they should just leave you alone or, like I said, uh, you know, just go on, go on the offensive-defensive, right? If they, you know, I, I wouldn't advocate going out and attacking the CPS office, Um but if they come to your doorstep, you know, by any means necessary, as far as I'm concerned, MC. All right, loud and clear. Um, we're going to move on. Is this a similar similar thing? Lawmakers in the, the farmers markets. Uh, eh, let's let's skip over that one because there's there's uh, two more that I I want to get into first, uh, and one is short only. Be- one is short only because uh, I've got the abbreviated version because it's from like the, the Wall Street Journal and it's, it's behind a paywall that I don't want to pay for. So uh, Mexicans fight, vow to fight Trump by jamming U.S. courts. And this is another thing that, uh, again, if, you, if you've listened to me long enough, right, I've advocated similar behavior for other things, right? The whole Occupy movement, I was like, well, just Occupy jail, Right. Occupy the court system and, and bury it uh, under the, the weight uh, uh, under the weight of its own uh, burden of its own weight. Uh, Mexico City influential Mexicans are pushing an aggressive and perhaps risky strategy to fight a likely increase in deportations of their undocumented compatriots in the U.S. Jam U.S. immigration courts in hopes of causing the already overburdened system to break down. Uh, the proposal calls for ad campaigns advising migrants in the U.S. to take their cases to court and to fight deportation if detained. The backlog in the immigration system is tremendous, said former foreign minister uh, Jorge Castaneda. Uh, the idea is to double or triple the backlog until U.S. President Donald Trump desists in the stupid idea, he added. Uh, Mr. Castaneda is part of a group of Mexican officials, legislators, governments, and public figures planning to meet with migrant groups Saturday in Phoenix to lay out plans to confront the Trump administration's deportation policy. Mexico's government hasn't endorsed the strategy or group of Phoenix's mission, but in recent allocated, but it recently allocated some $50 million to assist undocumented migrants facing deportation. Uh, so on and so forth. If you want to read the rest, uh, it's behind a paywall, so figure it out. Um, but I like, I personally like the strategy because, like I said, uh, you know, th- this 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 would work 
at all levels for all petty crimes. Um, but again, the, the problem is people aren't organized enough to do it, right? Everyone, uh, unfortunately for the cause, right, is always looking out for, for number one, um, selfishly, and not a problem there, right? Everyone does what they got to do, uh, you know, to, to get along. Um, and a lot of times it's easier for most people to, to pay the fine and walk away than to take a principled stand and hold hands with your fellow man uh, in legion against the state. But, uh, you know, say what you want about, you know, cultural divides and all that. Um, but if Mexicans, right, and, and foreigners uh, can, can unite for a common cause and do this, uh, then by, you know, by all means, more power to them. Uh, I personally like the strategy. Your thoughts, MC? Um, I would say it sounds like fun, but, um, no, I, I, I try to stay out of prison. So yeah, good, good for them. If they can, if they can put up with the system and, and, uh, go that route. Well, and they might not end up in prison though. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, j- jamming the U S courts, I don't know. I don't know if that, I don't know if it'll work. I mean, I, See what what I'm waiting for is for the next crash to happen. You know, the the market goes up and down and eventually it's going to come down and people are I don't know. I I think it's 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 not going to recover eventually. It's just going to stay down for a while. And so then people are going to have a choice to make, you know, do I want to keep paying taxes for the government or you know at, at some point people have to realize like uh, the government isn't here for for us it's they're, they're there for their their own benefit and and they're not worth it they don't provide valid services anymore so um, and I would say never did yeah but I mean as long as the economy is doing great um, it, you know, people don't really mind, I guess, paying, paying taxes or whatever. Right. Sure. So, but, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm just waiting for the next crash and I think, I think that's gonna, I think that wakes more people up. It's, it's like when, when, uh, the last time the economy crashed, you know, Bitcoin started and a lot of people started checking out Bitcoin because, you know, it was doing better than everything else. Um, and, and and gold and silver, too. You know, gold and silver were going up. Right. So, um, you know, s- similar thing. Um, so are, are, are you implying that if the market crashes, people will care less about uh, immigrants crossing the border? Yeah, I think and so. And this would be a non-issue? Well, I, th- I think... As far as funding the courts to to do their 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 jobs, I think, I think yeah, I think I think it'll be harder to collect the money. I mean, so in Hawaii, they 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 said they've the 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 public uh, pension system is has lost twenty three billion dollars, and so they're going to have to raise taxes to, to come up with that, I guess. And you know, we've already got a rail that. You know, it's going to be $20 billion to finish. So, um, 
so yeah i think i think eventually people are just going to be like you know this is just, this is stupid people are just going to start leaving i think some people already are but um, well, I came across another article uh, that, again, I didn't post a show prep, but basically the, the gist of the article was um, the IRS, uh, again, is going to be delaying tax refunds to people uh, because uh, right. some additional cost in processing the paperwork. Is that going to be enough? Are pe- people who are like waiting all year to get their refund so they can go buy whatever it is they want to buy? Or are they going to finally, you know, be up in arms uh, for not getting their money back after they diligently paid and filed on time throughout the whole year? I, I think it's going to be after the next economic crash. So, yeah, it takes... It takes something major to to make people question uh, how how things are happening, and so yeah. So for me, it was the two two thousand seven two thousand eight crash, along with the uh, Ron Paul running for for office and uh, pointing out that the U.S. government isn't really following the Constitution that closely. Okay. Um, but what did the people do after that 2000, 2007, 2008 crash? Like, where, 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 I mean, where was the uprising? Well, yeah, there, there wasn't much one. But like I said, it's, it's, uh, the government hasn't gotten any smaller since then. So, uh, yeah, eventually, eventually it'll be too much, I think. You know, what, when that, what that point is, you know, I don't know. So. Okay. I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping for. Well, I'll get and my then down. Okay. <laughs> I'm 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 not gonna I, I'm not gonna bring you home down, but I will say like in the interim, then, right uh, until that next market crashes, um, I've always been a big fan of burdening the court system, um, especially here in the United States. And what one of the reasons that it works um, is because burdening the court system uh, is a tactic that uses their rules against them right it's 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 not even it's not even like outside of the system activism i think it would be categorized as in the system activism uh insofar as uh at least in the united states right there's you know the uh, the, the constitutional right to a fair and speedy trial um, and the, the, the relevant part of that is the speedy because you're never going to get a fair trial um, but they have rules um, defining what a speedy trial is, and you know, then and they're they're always quick, uh, at least in my experience, to to point that out and then like these are the deadlines from which everything has to get done. Uh, otherwise, you, sir, you, the defendant, are waiving your right to a speedy trial by failing to meet certain criteria. And if the prosecution fails to meet certain criteria, uh, the case is you know thrown out, dismissed with prejudice. Um, you know, for, 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 uh, infringing upon your right, uh, to a, f- a fair and speedy trial. Um, and what burdening the court system does is it backlogs it to the point where they can't ar- get around, uh, to giving everyone a fair and speedy trial. So most of the cases get thrown out on that ground, right? They, you know, all these deportation cases, Right. If, if, if you backlog it, you know, three times what the backlog currently is and it's already backlogged, 
then you're talking, you know, the the potential for a half or more uh, of those cases being thrown out simply because they couldn't get to them on time. And that's, you know, however many uh, hundreds of thousands or millions of people uh, allowed to stay where they were and and not face deportation uh, simply because they, they just they couldn't get around to it. Now, will some get deported? Yes, but they're already getting deported. So it's, it's kind of like it's it's moot on that issue. It's burdening it to the point where, you know, some go free. Um, and if you're if you're going to be one of those who's just like, you know, go along, get along. Yes, I broke the law, sir. And you know, let, let me get deported. Well, then you're already deported. Right. It's not like you're going to get it's not like you're going to get a, a, a pass for being nice, for being saying, oh, no, I'm so sorry. I crossed the border illegally and I'm not supposed to be here. They're, not, they're still going to deport you. Um, so you might as well, you know, go through the full procedure, challenge it as far as you can uh, and go along with everyone else in the hopes that maybe possibly potentially uh, you'll get off. If not, you know, if not on that, the, the, the speedy technicality, uh, because they're too overburdened and they'll just like drop some. Right. Every 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 individual case that they have to, you know, uh, uh, prosecute. Right. They have they have to prepare the prosecution as well. It's not it's not always just cut and dry like they walk in. It's like he's here illegally. And then, okay, you're deported. Right. They they have to go through all that rigmarole. Um, And again, you know, from from my experience, not on the deportation issue, but other uh, other minor things here locally, um, the the prosecution, uh, the prosecutor's office has a fairly formulaic procedure to, to, to go through this, right? But even though it's formulaic, formulaic, they still have to go through it. Um, I, I've shared the story of the time where the, the prosecutor offered me uh, a plea deal um, and I, I accepted it and then the judge rejected it, right? The judge said, no, you can't do that. So we have to go to trial, right? Which means for the prosecution, he had to prepare the trial, right? He had to, you know, recall the witness and bring in the officer and ask, and go through his whole opening statement and go through his whole, you know, uh, calling of the witnesses and, you know, uh, in, in investigating or interrogating or whatever, like questioning the witness. And then I had to cross-examine and then call other witnesses. Like, you know, it, it went from, you know, this is five minutes in and out. Uh, you know, if I would have just taken, you know, the, if the judge would have agreed to the plea deal that I, that I had agreed to, um, if you're going to get on my case, like, Oh no, you agree to plead it. Well, I agree to like, you know, give a, give a, a donation to charity, um, in lieu of paying a fine to the state. Cause the, I don't pay the fines to the state. I said, eh, if you want me to donate charity to take care of this, I'll do that. And judge said, no, can't do that. Um, so they have to go. So imagine if, if they had to do that with everybody. Right. Even though, even though um, it, it's formulaic, like I said, if they had to go through the whole process of bringing in the witnesses and calling the try and asking the questions and going through that and all, it turns a five minute ordeal into like a half an hour ordeal. Um, and you're going to say, well, it's only half an hour, but it's six times as long as it otherwise would take. And if it takes six times as long for one person, imagine if, you know, 20 or 50 or 100 or 1,000 or tens of thousands of people did that. And the amount of people that they, they cram through the court system here just locally uh, for, for minor things, right? Uh, imagine if that took six times as long. Uh, you can imagine that if they're doing it for the Mexicans and the deportation thing, if it took, you know, two, three, four, five times, ten times as long uh, to, to, to go through that process for one person uh, with the amount of people they're trying to, to deport and, and, you know, prevent from entering the country, there's no way that it wouldn't put a... a 
even more burden on the system and allow some to slip through the cracks uh, just because it's it's too much for them to handle. MC? All right. Well, I hope, I hope some people do that. Yes. And then when the system collapses, it'll be irrelevant. But at least until then, right, there'll, there'll be some getting in now uh, to, to, you know, because who cares that they're here, right? If they're committing real crimes and prosecute them for that and, you know, even that, I'm okay with, you know, vigilantism, right? If they're, if they're doing actual harm, I uh, just go ahead and take care of business. You don't even need the state for that. Uh, but if they're going to do that, then yeah. And if they're not doing that, then who cares? All right. Uh, how are we doing on time from the original start? Uh, probably, I don't know. Probably got five minutes left. Five minutes. Uh, let me. Okay, let me read through this one because this is another one. This is another one that, um, it, again, it, it's come up before and I harp on it and I harp on it. And then someone else writes an article that you know pre- presents the argument that I was thinking and have been making uh, pretty clearly and concisely and maybe maybe uh, better than me but it's 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 an it's a fairly accurate representation on how I feel uh, exposing fake libertarianism the desire for state action is largely motivated by fear and concern leftists for example want the state to provide welfare and health care they fear that people won't be able to survive or get treatment without it. Conservatives want the state to provide police protection. Without government police, they argue crime would be rampant and life would be dangerous. Uh, libertarians, on the other hand, have pointed out that the market and its voluntary transactions are superior to the state in providing any good or service. Interference by the state in the market constitutes violence since there is no opting in or out by the parties on whom the state is imposing its will. The interference adds costs and time and leads to inefficiencies and distortions in the market. Uh, state actions, therefore, should be rejected for both moral and practical reasons. This is difficult for most non-libertarians, i.e. statists, to accept because their intentions to make society better are genuine. This does not excuse the violence they unwittingly propose and it certainly does not make the outcomes of, the inter- of their interventions any better. This also applies to some libertarians who have recently begun to look to the state for solutions for problems a bit more complex than usual. Uh, There have been calls to enforce border controls, institute a universal basic income, engage in wars overseas, and more. Uh, If you are a libertarian and want to use violence of the state to get what you want, how are you you different from any other statist? A quick answer, you're not. Um, reading back in the article, you say, but my goals are pure. I want to do what's best for everyone. I'm not muddled by biases and ignorance of economics and ethics. Uh, but isn't that exactly what every other status says? Uh, no one ever says my goal is to ruin the lives of people who will be affected by this program. Uh, the fact that you advocate a prescription for central planning demonstrates that you have what F.A. Hayek referred to as the fatal conceit. The implication of central planning, Uh, is the possession of perfect knowledge and the solution to the economic calculation problem. The common rebuttal to this is, this is the best we can do at the moment. We don't have the framework for a stateless society yet. Uh, Maybe they will say that the welfare state needs to be eliminated first or that Muslim extremists need to be dealt with before we can pursue ideological purity. But this would require the use of the institution that has the root of the problem to solve the problem. Furthermore, This, again, is the same argument that the statist would use to defend any state program that he supports. 
the status would concede that if people weren't selfish, short-sighted, stupid, evil, etc., then maybe the libertarians' proposed market solutions would work. But this is not a representation of reality, argues, so the state is necessary to implement solutions. Uh, if libertarians are to claim intellectual and moral high ground or status, over status, then they ought not use the same arguments and solutions as statists. Your thoughts, MC? Damn it, I'm a statist. You and your damn universal basic income. It, it's going to be a sticking yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. It's like uh, I mean, th there's opportunity to try to you know live free and stuff like that. Um, but how much difference is it going to make uh, for the for the collective or for <laughs> for the for the greater numbers for the you know. What, what do they call them? The the collective, the greater good. The, what the common? There's another word for it. The common good. Yeah, for the. So. It's it's like like you could like you could run for office and you could get your voice heard and and that could be a method of. Uh, getting people to, you know, hear your message and maybe get more freedom um so it's just, and again so I, I i i equate my ideas for changing government to be more in in that line like uh i want the government to do less um i mean obviously i want them to do nothing but getting people to want less from the government is you know on that on that path so um so i i what what my uh method of, of using the uh universal basic income is is kind of reversing or or it's it's getting people to be self-interested in where the money is coming from and going to and that's important because most people have no clue. Um, Once and, you change uh, their hearts and minds by giving them a universal basic income, how do you take it away from them? Yeah, and and that like like I said, I I don't even know if that's that's even possible either. So, um, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of people that work for the government that get paid more than the average idiot that you know has a has a normal job um and and, and those people don't won't even quit realize, job. yeah and well that's why you'd have to fire them but um but that's what i'm saying they, they don't even realize that they're you know basically stealing from people their, their money comes from theft right or right. they or they or they justify it and they and it's just it's just normal to them so there's there's people that are getting basically free money to sit at their computer desk or whatever and 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 they and they still complain about not getting paid enough money right so um yeah so i want to i want to at least for for the people that are not in the system 
um, to have a different, you know, understanding of the monetary system because the monetary system right now is is totally corrupt and and it doesn't even make sense to most people. So they just they just go along with it. Is like, there a way they, to they explain even, that to them without giving them free money or stolen money? Um, and that's the thing I I don't know. I don't I it's 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 a huge it's a huge problem. Like educating people like like the, there there used to be a quote like, "Oh, if if the people only understood how their money was was made or how you know how their money was printed and 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 you know if people knew where their money would was come from there'd be a revolution well there's plenty of information out there and and how the monetary system works and there's no revolution right it's <laughs> it so it's denial matter. it's denial so, and justification And I, I wasn't even making this uh, about the universal basic income. It, it came up as an example, and I know that's like a sticking point uh, between me oh, yeah. and you. Um, you know, over like it, it will it will forever be. I, I believe, at least for the interim, it will forever be an unresolved uh, debate between us. Um, but even for like yeah, yeah. the even for the border wall and the libertarians for Trump movement uh, during the presidency was in my opinion like an aberration uh for libertarianism in general right when you had people going like you know well now is the time uh to 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 forego all principles and get pragmatic about politics right um from from very well known and the upper echelon of libertarian thinkers um to to take that route uh and just and just put on the back burner all the principles that they've espoused for all the years and decades prior, um, because now you know now the threat is too great for principles, right? Now with the, the the burden of the state is too great uh, for us to hold on to our moral and ethical foundation. Uh, we can no longer uh, you know tolerate uh, such injustice that allows us to continue to to speak out uh, against these things. Uh, now we must be pragmatic. And, and go the route of every other statist uh, who, who ever casted a vote for any politician who said is the lesser of two evils, right? Now, uh, suddenly now is the time. Um, and I, I had a problem with that then, and I still have a problem with that now. And this article, again, just h- highlights uh, some of my thoughts or, you know, um, makes them a little bit more concise in that, no, and I wouldn't even say at this point, like, you know, the no true Scotsman fallacy doesn't even apply, right? No true libertarian would advocate for those positions uh, because they're antithetical to, 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 the, to libertarianism in general. Um, and what, and, you know, and what is commonly uh, understood as the, the libertarian positions, right? If you want to hold those positions, fine. Uh, but drop your title of libertarian. Uh, don't try to bring those those uh, those positions into the movement, right? Because it doesn't fit. Um, otherwise, you're gonna you're gonna you know you're you're gonna end up um, overtaking the word libertarianism, uh, and then all the all the people, all the real libertarians, right? The the people, the classical liberals who want that word back, uh, right? Will be will be stuck to find a new term or start infighting to get that one back, um, and it's just stupid. 
right? You know, d- clearly defining terms is important. Um, and if you if you are something that goes against the defined term of what you're claiming to be, then just change your change your label. Yeah, and I, and I don't have a problem with changing my label. I've said before, I'm I'm always uh, I'm I'm open minded to uh, you know new new ideas, and I'm still I'm always I'm always looking at at different. Uh, paths, uh, you know, for for people to take. So, um, right. And if you I, go down, I don't the really p- have, you know, like some some libertarians are kind of uh, on board with the the uh, universal basic income, but uh, they might be for for different reasons. Um, right. So but, be, my, but being my, on my board with it for me is not libertarian then like you know goes yeah, like yeah. i i'm a conservative who supports the universal basic income or i'm a universal basic income supporter but i am not a libertarian right and that's fine um but in, in either case i i can't have ubi or libertarianism um all i can do is and you can't have you know, both support it, support it with with words <laughs> yeah so so for, from from my like you know outside looking in like I could tell people that I think UBI would be better than the system that we have now, where the the bankers and the the government get to take advantage of the money first, and everybody else is just uh, left confused like why their life sucks so much, you know? <laughs> See why they and, have to pay so much taxes. And when you phrase it like that, right? I would tend to agree with you. Right, universal basic income would be better than the system we have now, but I will still not advocate for either. Right, because I think there was a far better solution further down the scale. Um, that if you're only considering like this versus universal basic income, right, and you haven't even considered the further down the scale, let me introduce that into your consciousness and give you the best third alternative. Uh, for how things could be done, um, and then put this put this UBI uh, out of it, and just work our way towards you know the, uh, for lack of a better term, per- perfection. See, see, for for me, the UBI is just a tactic. It's not so much the end goal. It's like uh, if I could get people to be more selfish, then I can get them to smash the state. And the only thing we would have left after that is a market and UBI. Okay. It's, so getting, getting to a place where all we have is the market, it, that's the ultimate goal. Uh, getting them to smash the state and replace it with UBI first is, is, is one step towards that. See, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming from you at the, and, on the other side of the spectrum because I think people are too selfish uh, to come together to attack the state as a collective. Right. It's, it's what I've been saying all show is if, if we could if we were less selfish and could come together for a, a common good and a common enemy, uh, I think more could get done. And you're saying people aren't selfish enough uh, to even see the benefits of selfishness. Um, and we have to move them in that direction. They're, they're not selfish enough. Most people just get yeah. along and go along like most people. Well, the get along to asking go along for, is the selfishness. That, in, in my opinion, asking, that's what makes them for selfish. Most people, asking for a raise is is not even part of their 
you know, being, their brain structure. They like it. It would not occur to them, like, oh, if I'm not happy with the amount of money I'm making, I should ask for a raise. You know, whether they well, get it or not is a whole well, different story. But they I don't won't think even that. I don't think it. that's selfish. I don't think that's necessarily selfishness, though. I think that's fear. Uh, fear. Well, yeah, fear, but if you were fear rejection. Enough, you would, if you were selfish enough, you would get over it. And that's what I'm saying. Most people are not selfish enough. They just they're just okay. going along. They they accept whatever they're given, including government programs, that that really suck and they they, they cost way too much. And you know that's that's part of the problem. I think I think the people in the U.S. have had it too good for too long, and that's why and that's why I say I, I'm being 100% serious when I say that like the next crash I think is gonna really wake a lot of people up a lot more than the last one. Um, I think. You know, developments in, in Russia and China and and countries actually actively working, you know, against the U.S. economy and against the U.S. dollar. If if that happens, you know, if, if Trump can prevent that, then, you know, we'll kick the can down the road a little bit longer. Right. You know, if he can't, then it's going to be it's going to be a wake up event for you know people in the U.S. that have been paying too much for shitty service for too long. All right. Fair enough. We'll leave it at that. Any final thoughts? Um, no, no, that was fun. All right, let's wrap it. Uh, thank you very much for listening. A uh, couple of things. Uh, a, a toast to the next crash. Uh, may it come down. And here's to 100 episodes. Uh, and and hoping for uh, you know, cheers to a, a hundred or so more. Uh, as long as we're doing this, we're having some fun. Uh, thank you very much for listening. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, uh, facebook.com slash anarchistexperience. Join the discussion, finally, in the groups, because that still exists. Uh, facebook.com slash groups slash anarchistexperience, where we post on the show prep. Uh, and if you want to contribute to the show financially, uh, because, you know, we're selfish too, and we want money, and we're asking you for a raise, uh, just go ahead and do that through Patreon, because that's where we do it, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you all sometime next week. Peace.